how do I build a thriving culture? Or, I'm having a really hard time with recruiting and retention. How do I solve that problem? If you've ever asked one or both these questions, then this episode is definitely going to be for you. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. I'd like to tell you about a friend of mine named Shelly. I met Shelly um, over the period of about six months. We determined that she was having a very hard time um, with re- employee re- uh, recruiting, like finding really good, talented people and turnover um, and just maintaining a, a good quality staff. Um, prior to COVID, this is certainly not an uncommon thing. Unemployment was down around 4%. So a lot of folks were struggling, you know, finding good, talented people. Uh, but what was a little unusual for Shelly is she was having a hard time keeping good people on board as well. Um, so one of the things that I asked her was, just, you know, in just general conversation, trying to figure out like where she was, her, where her company was and what, what things she was doing well and all that kind of stuff was, what's in it for your employees to work here? In other words, why should they work here instead of working at Brand X? What specifically do you offer that Brand X does not? And after thinking for a few minutes, Shelly said, well, I don't think there's anything we offer that Brand X doesn't offer. In fact, Brand X offers a few perks that we don't. So very unsarcastically, but necessarily my response was so if you were one of your employees why would you want to work here and she looked very sullen and said i don't think i would <laughs> and so the bad news is of course we knew we had a problem the good news is we knew what the problem was um let me tell you about another story uh, a guy i was working with named jeffrey um jeffrey had a problem with um a person in a leadership role like a think of a lead or a foreman or a supervisor, you know, something like that. And what was happening was this person would would routinely come into the office in the morning, get out to job sites, be completely unprepared once they got to the job site. And they're supposed to be in charge of the job site. They're supposed to be in charge of the crew and make sure that the people doing the job were staying on track and things like that. And routinely, this person would call Jeffrey, the business owner, and say, hey, you know, I, I don't have this or I'm not prepared for that or I forgot something at the office and I didn't order the right materials or I didn't bring whatever we need to get the job done. And Jeffrey would have to spend a fair amount of time every morning walking this person, this leadership role through solving the problem. And Jeffrey would essentially take on the responsibility of solving the problem. And Jeffrey was very frustrated with this. He's like, I don't get it. We have the same conversation every day. It's frustrating as heck to every day have this conversation with a person in a leadership role who just won't step up and do the right thing. And so, uh, again, in a very unsarcastic way, I asked, okay, so let me get this straight. Every morning, this person comes to the shop, comes to the office, they leave and go to the job site, the crew's out there, 
And generally speaking, they're going to call you half an hour or so after they get to the job site and give you a list of things that didn't get done. And then you solve the problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, Jeffrey's like, yeah, that's exactly what happens. And I said, uh, so aside from enduring the 90 seconds or whatever it is for, for you to be, let this person know how unhappy you are about this and, and, and vent on them for, for dumping this problem in your lap again. Other than that, what are the consequences for this person continuing to do this? And uh, Jeffrey said, well, I don't, I don't really think there are any. So I said, well, tell me what's in it for this person to stop doing this. I mean, uh, if you're going to take on all the responsibility, they have to just show up, figure out what needs to be done, call you, endure 90 seconds of you venting on them and telling them how unhappy you are, and then you solve the problem. Why would they stop doing that? Like you're taking all the responsibility. You're taking all the um, leadership responsibility. And, and if something goes wrong, it's your fault. So why would they, why would they not do that anymore? And again, a uh, long pause. And Jeffrey said, yeah, I, I guess, I guess there isn't a reason why they would stop doing that. So when I say things like what's in it for the employee, I don't mean we just need to find a reason to give them a million dollar salary or, you know, cave to every demand that any employee might ever make. My point is that we really need to think about when we lay out instructions and processes and demands and suggestions, we really have to consider what's in it for them to do this. Like, you know, in a grand scale, what's in it for them to come to work every day and work here instead of somewhere else? If I want to build a really good culture, a fiercely loyal group of people who want to see my company succeed, I don't think you can do that without considering what's in it for them. And then on specific processes and 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 projects we take on or specific things we want them to do, like, you know, what's in it for them to do this? And sometimes that what's in it for them is just giving them the understanding of why it matters. Sometimes it's just, under, you know, letting them know, hey, you could do a lot of things, right? If you miss this one piece, it's all for naught. That might be enough to, to, you know, that would be enough for them to compel them to do the right thing or do what we want them to do. So when I say these things, what's in it for the employee, what's in it for the customer, but but now we're talking about the employee. I don't mean we have to just give more and pay more and give more benefits and give, you know, eight weeks a year of PTO or whatever. That's that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we need to factor in to the process of determining what we're going to do and how we're going to go about it. Why would a person who's employed here want to do this? And if we don't have that answer, then I think we have some homework to do. So in both the cases I explained both with Shelly and with Jeffrey, um, the root problem is not, uh, or the business owner had not asked themselves like, what's in it for the employee? So uh, in the grand scheme, uh, grand scheme of things, what's in it for the employee to work here? Obviously, are we, we're gonna be asking things like, is the compensation package competitive? If you're paying somebody $20 an hour and they can do the same job for $28 an hour down the road, that's gonna be a challenge. Uh, for each unpleasant part of the job, again, we're talking in a grand scheme here, like just basic employment with your company, for each unpleasant part of the job, is there a benefit to offset that? Uh, it doesn't have to be hand in hand, but is it in balance? That's what we're trying to figure out here. Is it in balance to work here? Do, do, is the good for working here at least commiserate and equal with the bad, right? Is the environment you provide one that's attractive? Do people want to work in the environment you're providing? That's a pretty that's a pretty important question to ask. Um, if you can't identify this, how can you hope to explain it to talented people 
you're wanting to hire when you're interviewing them. If they have multiple options of jobs available to them and they ask you, you know, tell me about your company. Why is it a great place to work? And you can't explain to them what's great about your company and what's in it for them to work there. You're going to have a really hard time competing against folks who can. And many times people who are looking for a job in service industries are going to be looking for jobs in other service industries. They're not necessarily just going to be looking for, especially entry level. You know, I mean, if you have a a 22-year journeyman electrician, he's probably not going to be looking for a roofing job. Um, but if you're talking about those entry-level people who you're going to invest a lot of money into training, they're probably going to be looking at different options. And, and one of the things that they're going to consider is who's able to articulate what's in it for them. They probably wouldn't phrase it this way, but they're going to be asking themselves in some way, what's in it for me to work here versus brand X, right? Um, on a, on the smaller scale thing, again, projects, processes, procedures, um, you know, work duties, uh, things that we're going to ask people to do specifically when I say what's in it for them to do it. Um, I'll just come out and say this. If your answer sounds something like, well, they get a paycheck, don't they? Good luck to you. Um, I think that may have worked maybe 30 years ago, um, uh, for a few folks, 20 years ago. I just don't think that that's 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 going to work anymore. And and honestly, if if your goal is just hiring and maintaining people and not really concerning yourself with what the culture looks like, that still may work today. Um, my goal is to create a great culture where people want to be at my company, where people want to do the right thing, whether I'm looking or not, where they want to be the company to be successful, and they are fiercely loyal. That's my goal, not people who just won't leave. Um, so if your goal is just to keep people who won't leave, then maybe your answer, of, hey, they get a paycheck is good enough. Uh, that's not my bar. That's not my goal. My goal is to create a place people really want to be and would really not be happy about leaving. Um, the other thing is, you know, like the example of Jeffrey and this lead, leadership person he was having a hard time with. If they're going to continue doing the same thing they're doing, and I'm going to continue doing the same thing I'm doing, and I'm not happy with the results, whose responsibility is it to change course? I think it's mine. If I'm the business owner or business manager, and they continue going about things how they do it, and I go about things how I do it, and I don't like the result, after a few weeks, I've got to realize this is on me. And I can be upset. I can be angry. I can be frustrated with the employee, but it's still my job to fix it. Um, and so, again, my starting point with these kinds of things is what's in it for them to do what I want. You know, if I don't have an answer for that, then I know I got problems. Um, and it's not because, uh, again, I'm not looking for reasons to create artificial problems for myself where there are none. I think it's just fair to be aware of our human wiring and that we're much more inclined to do things if we understand why, and we're much more, much more inclined to do things if we can connect the dots on what the benefit for us is. Certainly, there's times we all do things that we don't get any benefit out of. But over the course of an eight or 10 hour day, I think the number of times you can expect a person to do that uh, without any kind of direct benefit or at least understanding of why this is the right thing to do. Um, I think we're asking a lot there. I think we're just fighting human nature. So we don't have to like it. I think we just have to understand it and accept human nature is what it is. Um, and the other thing is, there's absolutely times where compliance with things is just the baseline um, minimum requirement to maintain employment. Certainly when we're talking about safety and accident prevention things, you know, if you've got an employee driving your vehicle 
and they're texting and driving, uh, that for most employers is going to be like, listen, if you can't stop texting and driving, you can't work here. That's a basic requirement for employment. I get that. Um, there's, I'm not suggesting we don't have any of those. I am suggesting we have few of those. And, and, and if we're going to have those kind of deal breaker things, we can have a handful. I don't think you can have 40. I don't think you can have 20. I think you can have, you know, maybe, maybe seven, maybe 10, um, things that are just deal breakers. Like you have to comply with this in order to work here. I think beyond that, you start to get into kind of an authoritarian kind of uh, position and a not very inviting culture. Um, so again, I'm not saying we don't have those demands. They're just, listen, again, for most folks, it's going to be safety related uh, or legal, you know, harassment, things like that. Of course, you're going to have like a, 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 a line that's just not going to be crossed there. You have a no tolerance policy for those kinds of things. I don't think you can have a no tolerance policy for everything. Um, I think you just have to to understand there's there's times where that zero tolerance is applicable and there's times where it's not. And outside of legal and safety uh, kind of things, I just tend, for me, I tend to lean towards incentivizing people to do the right thing and, and getting them to want to do the right thing so I don't have to manage it so uh, hands-on. I don't have to spend so much time babysitting it. So uh, as far as, you know, um, well, the other thing I want to say before I forget is if you have a management team, if you have people in leadership roles, supervisors, managers, this is a great conversation to have with them. It's a great way to get them involved in just thinking like this. And you're going to find out that you have things that you your company offers that you wouldn't necessarily think of. You no doubt probably have very loyal employees. You probably have people who really enjoy working for you. Um, you may not know why. And maybe your leads and supervisors and people who are a little closer to the front lines of the, of the organization can share that with you. Um, you're not always going to be in a situation where you just don't have any. Oftentimes you're going to. You just maybe not know what they are. And I think it's just important to kind of have your, your thumb on the pulse for that. So um, as far as where to begin with this, it's super simple. In the grand scheme of things, you know, as far as like looking at your company as a whole, very simply, what's in it for my employees to work here instead of brand X? Stop. Answer the question. Don't, you know, don't sugarcoat it. Don't don't make it negative either, though. Again, many of you are going to have these things already in place. Some of you won't, but at least you'll know what your problem is and you'll, you'll, you'll know where to start. Uh, and then same thing for each individual process you want to take on. Once you get to the part where you're going to start asking employees to do things or demanding that they do things a certain way, just a simple asking of what's in it for them to do it. All right. And just just an awareness of that, I think, is going to be helpful. So if you're having trouble with recruiting, if you're having trouble with maintaining talented employees, if you have employees who are routinely just not doing what you ask them to do, um, start by just asking the question, what's in it for the employee? Or if you just want to be intentional, you're, you have a smaller company or even a more develop, developed company, and you just want to start intentionally building a solid company culture, I think this is a great place to start as well for that. Uh, just having an understanding of what's in it for them at every step of the way, uh, I think is it just gives you a leg up on building a great culture and getting compliance with basic things. So that's it for this week. This was all about the employees. Um, again, if you know somebody who has a service-based business and you think this podcast to help them, please uh, please share this with them. We're trying, you know, we want to get out there and help as many people as possible. Uh, so if you have a friend or colleague that that you think could help, you know, you can you can share it by texting and Facebook and email. And there's there's a million ways to share things nowadays. Um, also, if you have time, give us a rating and a review. Um, if you can spare a couple minutes for that, we'd sure appreciate it. And um, 
that's it for this week. I hope you guys have a fantastic week, and I'll talk to you all next uh, next week. <laughs>